sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, now it's going to be Rod and Duke and Julie, and Rod's up first. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Hey, I got a couple of questions for you this morning. Okay. Um, I've got grass burrs, what I'm calling grass burrs. They're like little Velcro oval Mm -hmm. type thing. Right. And they're growing in my wildflowers. So they seed at the same time as my, you know, I can't mow them down right um suggestions well what you're looking at is uh probably something called burr clover they're not these ones with the real sharp spines but they're just when they dry out they get uncomfortable and like you say they just get in the dog's fur they get in your socks and uh but they're just kind of like a little oh maybe quarter of an inch uh long and wide and just like you say almost like a velcro surface is that what we're talking about they're even smaller than a quarter of an inch. They're like little oval, like kind of maybe egg-shaped. Okay. Sort of. And do they stand they're up not, tall, or are they, you know, maybe no more than four to six inches tall? They're they're a tall plant, and they they grow. They're real leggy with a very small white flower. Okay, on them. yeah, that's that's what uh, we call uh, beggar's lice. And I'll be honest with you, I um, I pull them. Um, especially with this kind of rain and I just, you know, carry a five gallon bucket and just literally they come out of the ground so easily. Um, you could go through early in the season because they come up and sprout really many times a little earlier than your, uh, wildflowers do, but there is unfortunately nothing that you can spray that is going to take them out that will not bother your wildflowers as well. But uh, it's amazing. I don't know how big an area you're dealing with, but I've I've never seen as much of the beggar's lice as I have this year. But uh, I sort of timed myself. I had a patch of them that was like 30 by 40 feet, and it took me about 20 minutes pretty much to pull them. And unfortunately, that is the best I can really tell you because the pre-emergence, um, they're going to bother you wildflowers just as much as they uh, slow down the beggar slice. And you can't spray with a post-emergence because they also will hurt the wildflowers. And by the time your wildflowers are finished, the beggar slice have already made all their seed and gone too. So I wish I had an easier solution, but um, if I find one, I'll let you know. In the meantime, I do pull them. I don't try to cut them off because you cut them off with a line trimmer, with a mower. They just spread out right at ground level, and they still make all those blasted little burrs. They just do it within two or three inches of the ground. But um, I, <laughs> if you've got kids, tell them you'll pay them a penny apiece to pull them, and they have to bring the bucket and show you. But I've, I again... I've not found anything better than uh, hand control, but as wet as the ground is, even those giant one comes up. Giant ones come up with just a tiny little tug. Yeah, they. You're right. They do come up easy, but I've got a, a large area yeah. that I'm going in, and I did try the weed whacking. And yes, sir, you are correct. They will. They just sprout back lower to the ground. Yeah, and it's <laughs> you know. 
I could cut them off above the blue bonnets and not not harm the blue bonnets. And it's like, mm, you little suckers. Yeah, no, I, I listen. I again, it. Uh, I don't know whether it's the cows or the deer eat them, but I never seem to have them outside the fences. But inside my bigger yard, which I don't know, acre maybe something like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. fighting them like you, and I wish I had an easy answer for you. But um, uh, if you if you can get out there when they first start coming up, if you've got any areas that the uh, that your your wildflowers are not coming up, that vinegar orange oil mix will knock them down in a hurry. But you got to keep it off the wildflowers. So it's just it's tough because they come out right at about the same time. Well, they, I think they come out a little before the flower. I mean, they come out in the winter mm-hmm. or start coming in the winter. Of course, the blue bonnets are coming up in the winter, too, if you yep. look. I mean, yep. they're down there. Yeah, I but mean, it, it, they make that little rosette of leaves. But, uh, yeah, they come out ahead of the paintbrush, the coreopsis, the uh, larkspur, things like that. So if you've got any area that you don't have a lot of blue bonnets, uh, get out there because when they first start sprouting and they're an inch or two tall, man, you can knock out every one of them with that vinegar orange and not affect your your wildflowers that aren't up but you're going to have to try to work around the blue bonnets what i do lots of times is i just carry a piece of cardboard if i'm spraying an area where i don't want to hit certain things and i'll just you know set it down and then i just spray everything on one side of it but uh it the effect of it doesn't move through the soil it only moves through the foliage so as long as you're not getting it on the foliage of the plants uh then you can spray right up next to them without bothering them yeah, I I I've just been procrastinating on calling. I figured that was going to be the answer. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear it. I knew. It was, I knew it was. I knew it was pulling. Well, if you need if pulling. you need to practice, come on over to my place for a little while, and uh, and and then you'll yeah. understand. Uh, then you can really get home and do it quickly. Yeah, we need to go back and reread Tom Sawyer's story about paint whitewashing the fence, and then somehow get our our kids and our friends involved. But. Uh, I, seriously, I knew a, a guy one time, and it wasn't the beggar's lice. It was something else, but he offered to pay his grandkids a penny apiece. And uh, other than having to instruct them how not to trample things, he sure got rid of a lot of problem plants. Yeah, but see, that it doesn't have a screen on it with buttons. <laughs> now, now we're getting to the heart of the problem. <laughs> exactly. All right, so... Thanks for the help. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for the information. I'm not much help, but uh, sometimes it's just knowing that there's not an easy way out. But uh, hey, it's good. Uh, it's good exercise, and um, I, I keep trying to find good things about it. But you can do it, and I have areas in my yard that I have virtually none of them coming up because I was so good last year. It's just those areas I didn't get to last year that are a real problem. But at least the birds aren't coming off yet. They aren't mature, so you're not uh, having to pick 10,000 of them out of your socks right now. So uh, got a good project for you this afternoon, Rod. So get out make the most of it. Hey, the flowers are worth having. I'll deal with it. It may take a few years, but I'll... I'll it, is there another question? Do you think there's a possibility of them maybe sequestering out over time? Or do you think they're just going to constantly be there? Hadn't happened for me. I yeah. I would yeah. like to hope. You know, it's there... Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the, it's just that they grow at the same time as the wildflowers. If that weren't true... Hey. 
then uh, I, I will tell you now, and you can experiment with this, try try doing a little compost over the area in the fall. I have to say my yard areas where I've put the compost, I have virtually none of them sprouting up. But I don't know whether that's because my grass has gotten thicker or whether the compost is actually inhibiting them. But uh, take a little 10 by 10 patch this fall, about October, November, put down, in this case you can just get two, three bags of good compost, put down about a quarter of an inch layer and uh, see see how it looks for you next spring. I think that may help. I think the humic acids and things in the compost may serve as a good suppressant on the beggar's lice without affecting your wildflowers. Well, then compost tea should help, which I I'll spray that for around anyway. I don't know whether okay. compost tea will do it or not, but uh, because compost tea brings in a lot of microbes, but it doesn't really bring in the humic acid that you get out of the compost, and I think that's what has the greater pre-emergent effect. So uh, let's both try a little patch next year and see if it helps. I add humic acid to my tea. Oh, okay. Well, then go for it. Yeah, it's to bind up the chloramine. Um, uh, second question. Fuyu persimmon, it does not appear to be coming back as the actual fuyu, but the rootstock is coming back. It's been in the ground for about three years. Mm. Um, a, a clay soil that's been, you know, composted and mulched well. Um, any idea what the heck I might have done to this thing, or is it just the weather? Because yeah. it's coming, the roots, the rootstock is, I mean, I could graft another tree on if I yeah. wanted to. Oh, really? But I just thought I'd ask to see what you thought. Maybe it, I mean, it, maybe it's still early, but I've done a little bit of breaking. Some of the smaller limbs haven't gone after the bigger limbs yet, and they are dry and they are, are brittle. And it's like, mm, I don't want to hit the big ones yet in case maybe there is some life still left in it. If I well, figured I'd ask you. Get out there with your pruning shears and, you know, prune back if there is any life left in it that will stimulate those little dormant buds to come out and begin growing. And stuff coming off the rootstock, cut off everything except the one strongest one. Because as long as rootstock's coming out, uh, there's not much incentive for the top of the tree to come out. So I'm going to prune back the top of the tree by maybe 50%, and I'm going to take away all except one of those sprouts off the rootstock so that I'll still have something there I can go back and graft onto but um, it's hard to say. Fuyu, these are Asian persimmons that are used to cold, cold weather. So it could be yeah. that that unusually, unusual freeze last fall damaged it. But uh, uh, hard to say. But no, get out, cut out your good part by about 50%. Cut it back and take off all but one of the sprouts off the roots. And let's talk in a month and see if it's doing anything. Just save it. Just save the one. So if I need to have something to graft onto, I've got one. Exactly. I know to plant it and graft off of that one. There you go. All right, sir. Thank you very much. You have a good day. You do the same. And let me get Duke in here. Good morning, Duke. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing today? Uh, it's just going to be a really nice day. What can I say? It's uh, it's very pleasant temperature, much more so than we frequently have in May. It is. It's beautiful out there. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say thank you for your show and thank you for sharing your knowledge. You have well, a fantastic little show that I love listening to. I certainly appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I got a question for you. I'm currently renting, and my landlord is prohibiting me from doing any in the ground gardening, and I'm keen on growing some tomato plants. Okay. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on what kind of varieties would be best grown in pots and what size pots I'm looking at, and any tips or tricks you recommend. 
So you have a good sunny spot. There's no problem with the location. He just doesn't want he or she doesn't want you growing in the ground. Is that right? Yeah. So I can put it in the backyard and get full sunlight and kind of move it around. Just nothing in the ground, she says. Okay. Um, You want to have big containers. Now, they don't necessarily have to be pots. I'd be looking for a container that's, you know, 18, 20 inches in diameter. And if okay. you if you want to grow in pots, look around, uh, see if you can find a friend that's feeding uh, molasses. You know, you get that cake in the big tubs. Molasses tubs are one of the, and I think uh, lots of farmers and ranchers either give them away or, you know, want five bucks a piece for them or something like that. But you want a, something big to garden in. The other thing that I use, and we have, you know, some of them actually planted around the nursery is sort of a demonstration. They make fabric pots. Uh, the best brand I've found so far is called a Smart Pot. And that pot weighs, you know, like four ounces. It doesn't weigh anything at all. Now, when you put the soil in it, of course, it gets heavy. But um, uh, these little, the the fabric pots, you can get them in a wide range of sizes and things, and they sure are an easy way to grow. Uh, I've had, uh, that's what I grow my sweet potatoes in. Uh, Oh, yeah, extremely. Um, You can move them around, because if I want to move them out if it gets too rainy, I can move it to the porch or something like that. That's going to be a little tougher. You can slide them if it's on a smooth surface, but it keeps the soil cooler than a pot would. Uh, it aerates better than a pot would, and I doubt that you're going to have to worry about moving them around. So, uh, um, yeah, check check out the smart pots, but you can grow tomatoes, you can grow peppers, you can grow squash, you can grow anything you want to in these things. And I don't think you have to be concerned about variety. Now, people that say, I can't go bigger than a five-gallon can, yeah, you're going to need to grow determinate tomatoes, the varieties that stay smaller. But, uh, again, we've got tomato plant sent back there's probably close to six feet tall in a standard tomato cage sitting in one of those smart pots um uh you know if if you're ever in our area come by and take a look at it but you can grow full-size plants uh in these fabric pots without any problem at all uh you can do the same thing though but if you're if you're buying or if you're getting a plastic container i'd want some 18 20 inches in diameter and that's per plant, correct? Not multiple plants. Just I, I usually grow two to two to a pot like that. Okay. And then what kind of soil do you recommend? Just a potting soil material, or obviously, if you, if you can't plant the ground, she probably won't want you digging the soil up. Yeah, but yeah. Just a <laughs> Not, good you know, mix of uh, just garden soil and compost, or else a decent core-based or compost-based potting soil. I don't like peat moss-based soils, but uh, uh, just anything that doesn't have to be a super expensive product just a good garden soil if you're doing a bunch of them head out to stone and soil depot or somewhere like that and uh, take a couple of big buckets with you and they'll let you shovel them full of dirt or they'll fill them for you and um, that's that's the least expensive way to go and just get what they call garden soil excellent and it's not too late when looking for it to transplant the tomatoes into here how how big do i need them to get like it's not too late in the in the in the year to grow tomatoes is it it's not i would focus mainly on small fruited tomatoes because they are least affected by nighttime temperatures um uh, plant a few of the big ones but recognize if we start getting real hot real quickly you're not going to get as much production but uh, focus on some Sweet 100, Sun Gold, uh, uh, things like Juliet. Uh, those are going to be the best things to be putting out. But I'd, I'd still stick in two or three big ones because if the weather stays like it is, you're still going to get a good crop off of them. 
Excellent. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate you. My pleasure, Duke. I appreciate the call. All right. Straight back to gardening. Back to the phone lines. It's Julie and Eddie and Mike and Lori. And Julie's up first. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about dried molasses. Okay. Um, we have, uh, we're on an acre and a half, and some of the soil is just hard as rock. Right. And um, but we're we've had the same um, issues with weather as you have. Yesterday morning it was forty two here. Well, you're in Oklahoma, and, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> you're, yes. You're, and, go ahead. It, I was just going to say it. It was really chilly, chilly today, but wet and, and no sun. Yeah. And um, I was just wondering um, when should I start? I got fifty pounds of it because okay. I, I mean it's a, it's a big pro, it's a big area. Uh-huh. Um, how do I do it? Well, you can do it with just an ordinary fertilizer spreader of any sort. Fifty pounds really isn't that much. Um, and you know you probably don't have access to some of the different brands one thing about dry molasses is it will turn to an absolute rock once you open that bag uh don't save back part of it unless you have nature's creation or i believe nature's guide are the two brands that that still have a very loose product but great majority I think this is nature's guide okay well then uh then you don't have to use that all at once but um uh, you can put it out with just a plain old fertilizer spreader, or you can get out and just scatter it out by hand. I tend to sometimes, if I'm doing over a bigger area, I wait for a windy day and literally just kind of pitch it upwards and let the wind Broadcast carry it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but should I wait till it? I mean, we're supposed to have a fairly dry week next week. It's really wet. Unless so you I wait. Unless you have moving water. Unless it's actually going to wash it away, uh, no. It uh, it my gosh, you know it it needs to be moist to really be activated. And there are what you're doing with it, of course, is stimulating microbes. We have right. what are called psychrophilic bacteria that are active at ten below zero. We have the mesophilic group, and there are tens of thousands in each of these groups. Mesophilic is what's going to be active in that forty to seventy degree range, and we've got thermophilic bacteria that work all the way up uh, to one hundred and eighty degrees. So. Uh, yeah. You can, you know, as long as there's not snow on the ground, which you experience no. a lot more of than we do, you put it out when it's convenient for you. Doesn't matter whether it's wet okay. or dry, hot or cold. So, yeah, I'd be okay. getting it out uh, in the near future. Okay, because I was uh, confused because I went on Dirt Doctor and it was talking about that it, you know, would turn real hard if it got real wet. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, uh, it's going to get wet. Yeah. I mean, no. you know, if it's outside. Okay. I, I don't know what the magic is they put into it, but those two companies make a, um, a, a form that doesn't clump and cake and get hard. Oh, Every other okay. thing that I've ever, ever, and sometimes, you know, you'll find it a little less expensive and, uh, at a feed store, but I mean, put uh-huh. it out the day you get it, if so. But um, yeah, I ordered it. Okay, well, I ordered it. Yeah, so it's talk to your local feed dealer and see if they can uh, if they can bring it in for you because uh, I'm sure the freight was outrageous. You know, when you're getting a big bag of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know if you happen to be driving down 75 to Dallas or anything like that. 
uh, you're going to you're going to find a bunch of people down there that keep it in stock. And I just fill up the trunk or fill up the trailer or however you're doing it, because yeah. um, it's just oh, gosh, I can't believe the price of trying to ship anything these days. But it's uh, it's a really good product. And it's OK in the garden. It's it's I don't know anywhere that it's not okay. Now Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Don't don't make a half inch thick layer of it because that much stimulation, not that you could afford to but uh, yeah. I, I'm laughing because I have a friend that overdid it on some of his wife's pots and uh, got oh, a little bit of a problem. And, uh, you know, getting him out of hot water was uh, and, and I think we've got our plants rescued, but don't be dumping big handfuls of it uh, in pots. But in the garden, anything in the ground, I don't think you could really overuse it. OK, thank you, Bob, so much. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you all dry up. A little. <laughs> and get a little bit just of sunshine, but uh, we, right. we we don't want to run the rain off. We just want it to no. take a little temporary vacation. Julie, it's always good to talk to you. Okay. Thank you, you so too. much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right. Let me go ahead and get uh, one more in here. Let's talk to Eddie. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing this morning? I'm great this morning. How about you? Having fun here in your station. <laughs> <laughs> Looking fun forward to teaching a class on tropical plants. And while it may not feel like the tropics out there, at least we can look at some beautiful flowers and pretend we're in the islands or something like that. But no, it's it's great. It's uh, too many times it's awful hot by this time of year, so I'm sure not complaining. All right. Hey, listen, I, I have two questions. One of them is for my sister. She lives in San Antonio. Uh-huh. And she's got a... Um, a crick myrtle, that her leaves are are, are yellowish, uh, maybe like dust or something. Are they yellow or are they white? I'm sorry, white, white yeah. powder, white powder. It's called powdery mildew. And, powdery mildew. Right, and it's the result of all the rains, wet weather, and lack of sunshine. Um, it will go away as soon as we get hotter and drier. If she wants to make it go away faster, she can spray it with uh, garlic. She can spray it with corn water tea. She can use any safe uh, natural fungicide. But uh, tell her on that crepe myrtle to be sure that she sees the root flare. Most crepe myrtles are buried too deeply in the ground. And I think the ones that are buried seem to have more of a problem with powdery mildew. But Everybody with the old-fashioned crepe myrtles has powdery mildew, just like everybody with squash has powdery mildew. Uh, it's just if when it gets a little drier and a little sunnier, it's going to go away on its own. But right now, she's going to get the leaves are going to be kind of deformed. They're going to be gray-white, and she's just like just about everybody else in town. Now, the newer crepe myrtle varieties don't get it as much, but uh, old-fashioned crepe myrtles, they get it, but it. It, it sets them back a little bit, but it's not going to kill them. And we know it's going to get sunny sometime soon. So this is on the old Craig Myrtle, where yeah. it's a bush or a tree? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, okay, because I don't know if she's got a bush or a tree. No, that she doesn't matter at all. Picture, but um, I, I didn't know what it was, so I thought I'd call them. I, don't, I know who's got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, spray with garlic. She can soak a little bit of whole ground cornmeal or stone ground cornmeal in water and spray that over the leaves. But... Uh, what she really needs is just some hot, dry weather, and it'll go away on its own. Okay. Okay. The other question is, uh, I live in Poteet. That's, that that's my question. Yes, sir. I have a, a hackberry tree. Okay. And it's got a lot of caterpillars. I don't know what to do with it. Well, you know, again, um, 
it, it's the weather is just perfect. Caterpillars are the larval stage. Uh, it's a funny looking little butterfly. It's got a long snout on the front of it. They simply call it a hackberry butterfly. But uh, the hackberries have a lot of caterpillars on them right now. Uh, and all the ones that I have seen so far are ordinary caterpillars. Now, if you see a caterpillar that's got real short, usually kind of uh, tanned uh, brown, uh, just looks like hair all over it, do not touch it. Those things will sting the heck out of you. They call those asps. They call them pus caterpillars. There's a lot of different names for them. But if they're just these big old furry things, uh, I wouldn't worry about them. If you want to if you want to get rid of them, you can spray a BT product, but then you wind up kiddling caterpillars you didn't mean to. Uh, they're just not doing enough damage to worry about. I just wouldn't worry about them. Oh, okay. The ones that I've seen are black and green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I, I've got a lot of hackberries that I'm trying to get rid of growing around my garden. And I've been using my evenings and my day off cutting a lot of those. And yeah, there, there are tons of them, uh, out there. And, and these ones that are, you know, have kind of the long bristly stuff, they are no problem whatsoever, but hackberries are one place that you get this little stinging caterpillar. So if you ever see something that has just uh, it just, it almost looks like combed hair all over it. Don't put anything on it except your foot. Okay. Uh, and, uh, cause they, they, they have little spines underneath that that are filled with something that really hurts. And if you touch them, they kind of rear up and jam some of these things into you. And I tell you, it, it's, uh, it's far worse than a wasp sting. You don't want to deal with those guys. Okay, good, good. Okay, Bob, that's my last two questions, and I really appreciate your help. Uh, it's always a pleasure. You uh, have a great weekend, and uh, don't forget to do something nice for your wife and mother for Mother's Day. I'll do that. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, right now, it's going to be Mike and Lori and Louie and Carolyn, and Mike's up first. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing, sir? Uh, just going to be another wonderful weekend out there. I'm loving this drizzle on this Saturday morning. That's awesome. <laughs> And I love having to put on a jacket when I left the home, and it was 53 degrees this morning. That doesn't happen very often in May. It's been a long time. Yes, sir. Welcome it. I have a short, sweet question for you. Sure. I don't know what kind of little weed this is. It's a cute little weed. It uh, it has, like, cat-eyed-shaped green uh, leaves. But the, the most striking feature is when it's first growing, it's got, like, little five- or six-petal yellow flowers. Okay. And... And it, it'll, if you let it, it'll become a ground cover. In my particular neighborhood, two houses down, that's what the guy's yard is. It's completely that. And yep. uh, when he cuts it, it goes down. What the heck is that, and how do I get rid of it? Okay, it's uh, total height is normally somewhere three, four inches tall. Yeah, well, yeah, and sometimes it, gets, it actually gets taller, Bob. It's, it'll, it'll get leggy. It starts out compact, and as it grows, it'll get leggy. It'll get up six, six, maybe eight inches tall. Okay. Even. What you're looking at, if you don't like it, you call it straggler daisy. If you mm-hmm. like it, you call it horse herb. Um, and, yes, people do. It doesn't mind drought. It doesn't mind rain. It prefers the sun, but it'll grow in an area of moderate shade. And it is tenacious. It has very woody little root system and... Uh, the only way I've ever found to defeat it uh, is to choke it out with, uh, you know, plenty of fertilizer, herd, plenty of compost if you grow in Bermuda or something like that, uh, and keep it mowed off fairly low. 
but it's um it's one of these things and i tell you in the summer months because i don't do much lawn watering if it weren't for this straggler daisy there wouldn't be a whole lot growing in my yard so uh, if you just have a limited amount of it especially as wet it is it is you can actually pull it up which is what i do out of my flower beds where it tries to want to spread into it but uh horse herb straggler daisy people actually plant it intentionally which I always think is kind of funny, what some people think is a weed, other people think is a really good plant. So either live with it or keep it mowed off and uh, really, really support your turf grass. Uh, Bermuda will choke it out. Zoysia will choke it out if it's good and healthy, as will St. Augustine. Your blessing. God bless you, sir. You have a good one. You do the same, Mike. Sure do appreciate the call. All right. Next up is uh, Lori. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Scott. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Excellent. I'm calling to remind everybody it is time again for the annual March Against Monsanto next Saturday. Very good. Tell us about it. So, uh, of course, I'm out of Austin, so we're starting at 10 a.m. at the Capitol, and we're marching to the library. We're going to have speakers and vendors and presentations this year, so it's going to be a little bigger. We're very excited about that. Um, and I also wanted to call about the Moringa, the gentleman that called. Right. So I planted, I found a, a source up here in Cedar Creek, uh-huh. which is near me. Right. And I planted seven seeds last year, and six of them grew. And all six of them came back this spring. So really? So I'm having very good luck with them. I just bought 100 more seeds. Plant- <laughs> I planted about 60 of them, and I planted a bunch of them two weeks ago, and they're already up and an inch to two inches tall. Well, so if you're interested, he can find me on Facebook at Homeopathic Nut. Homeopathic, just N-U-T, Homeopathic Nut. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great URL, yeah. You, that's, I, it was because of essential oils, the E-O, and I, that shit just kind of fell together there. Um, he, I am also on Facebook under the March Against Monsanto slash Bayer Austin, Texas 2019, if anybody wants to find me there. Very good. Well, it sounds like you've got a really fresh, good seed source, and uh, I would keep them mulched. You know, this was not a real cold winter, and um, uh, I just I, I wouldn't plant a forest of them unless you have a plan for you know, mulching and perhaps a little rope over or something, because as you well know, Mother Nature does get us a little bit colder every now and then, but it sounds like you're doing everything right, Laurie, and I sure appreciate your uh, March Against Monsanto efforts. I hope maybe some of the congressmen will look out their windows since they are still in session and uh, take a little interest in what you're doing. I'm not not hoping, I'm not expecting a lot, but we do have a few good people in House of Representatives up there now, and uh, uh, maybe maybe you can have a little influence on them. I'll certainly wish you all the power in that regard. Well, I certainly appreciate it, Bob. We're trying. We're doing all we can to get the word out there. You keep up the good work, and happy Mother's thank Day. You. Hey, thank you so much. You do the same, Bob. You're awesome. You have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Laurie. It's good to talk to you. And let's go from Laurie to Louie. Good morning, Louie. Good morning, Bob. Hey, hey you're you're usually call. behind the microphone, and I'm listening out there instead of the other way around. <laughs> I was going in, incognito. I only gave my first name. So. <laughs> Figured you out. Oh, what can I do for you this morning? Well, hey, I've been uh, mowing my grass, and the St. Augustine is looking gorgeous. But um, I'm over near the McAllister Park area, and we right. moved into the house. 
Um, the, the I, I think they planted a bunch of this uh, before, right before we moved in. Okay. So I've got really big gaps in my like when I mow the yard, my lawnmower one wheel will sink in and shred, you know, uh, shred a bald spot. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're kind of all over. What can I fill that in with? I, and, I've tried topsoil, but it just gets thick and muddy. Yeah, no. Uh, there are, and I would probably talk to Stone and Soil Depot. Uh, they've got something they call a top dressing mix that is a sand and compost mix. Okay. And uh, that's going to have no mud. That's going to be real easy. What I do is I take what we call a grass rake, not a leaf rake, but the kind of the hard rake with tines. I flip it over so I've got that smooth bar. Or you can probably even mm-hmm. weld yourself something even better that I used. Uh, that's what I that's what I spread it around with. But uh, just get out there with your wheelbarrow and uh, just dump a little here and there, and uh, you'll fill it in instantly. Your grass will cover that over in a few weeks' time. You don't even know it's there. And uh, yeah, I that's a very common frustration where people put down the squares of sod. And they're too cheap to do it solid, so they leave these gaps in between, and then they move to get away from it. So the uh, nice thing is you can solve that problem pretty easily. But I'd ask for their top dressing mix, and uh, now's a great time of year to do it. But you're exactly right. Uh, Topsoil brings you nothing but wood, uh, mud and weeds. Yep, yep. All right, well, thank you. Well, I appreciate hearing from you, and uh, you have a great weekend. All right, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right, Louie, thanks so much. Bye. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> we'll let him stay incognito. You probably know who it is if you listen to KTSA very much. Right now, uh, let's see, we start with Carolyn up in Fort Worth. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have one quick question, and I'm glad I got in today. It's pouring down rain here. But I want to put out some nematodes that just came in the mail from Colorado. Perfect. And um uh, I usually use a hose-in sprayer, mm-hmm. but I don't want to mess with the hose in, in this rain, and I wondered if it would be easier to just put it in one gallon, or, or would they work in the one-gallon sprayer? Um, you don't want to pump it up too hard. Uh, you can actually create enough pressure that it could damage them, and it will depend on whether your your sprayer has a little filter in it uh, you know, you can actually, if you've got good eyes or if you get a magnifying glass, you can actually see those live nematodes. So they're not mm-hmm. they're not really microscopic. And uh, if you use your pump-up sprayer, again, be certain that there's not an internal filter. And your little spray nozzle on the end, um, you're going to have to open that thing up really, really wide. Because if you crank it down where it makes a fine mist, it's not going to let the nematodes go through. I would okay. either I would either wait till the rain ends and use your hose in sprayer, or if it's not too big an area, use a watering can. Okay, I'll just use the hose in sprayer then. Yeah, okay. I think you're better off because that way. I I don't want to take a chance because you know by the time I bordered them and you know, <laughs> gone to the trouble to get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, right. I agree with you totally. Okay, then I'm glad I got a hold of you because I. I had never used the one-gallon sprayer. I've always used the hose end. And wh- what do you usually put it on as far as uh, gallons? Well, I know. I set it at like four ounces per gallon or something like that. Yeah. I want a pretty okay. good flow okay. going through there. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You've been a big help. You have a happy Mother's Day, and I'm sure we'll talk again, Carolyn. Appreciate the call. All right. Next up is going to be James. Good morning, James. How you doing, Bob? I'm good. How about yourself? 
I'm doing okay. Can you hear me okay? I hear you just fine. Okay, I got you on speakerphone. I've been following your directions, and everything has been working great. Good. Very good. My, my blackberries are... They're, they're, they're actually real pretty big right now. They're about an inch and a half in diameter, but uh-huh. they're not real sweet right now. They'll be, they'll be sweet around July, I imagine. Well, they're probably going to not be producing that late, but they need some sunshine. Sunshine makes sugar. Sugar makes sweet. And uh, nothing has the has as much sugar in it as it usually does just because we've had so many cloudy days and... Uh, um, I'm afraid it's going to be the same of peaches and everything else, but we will have sunshine. I can promise you that. I just don't know when we're going to go back to more typical weather, but, uh, your, your berries will get a lot sweeter and it's like the sunshine's the only thing that's holding you back right now. I, I know my tomatoes need sunshine. I know that. Yes, sir. <clears throat> one other quick question. This is an important one. Them blackberries, I don't know if it's the has to grow or the organic fertilizer I put on them. But that secondary growth, Bob, is just out of this world. <laughs> can, 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 I, can I cut that back, or should I just bend it over towards the plants? Or? I just, uh, you know, you can bend it over if you like, but I think you're better to put up a you know, piece of cattle panel or something like that and let them grow up. That way you don't even have to bend over to pick the berries. But uh, a blackberry with plenty of good organic fertilizer and plenty of water is going to grow five feet tall easily. So uh, I'd, I'd think more about supporting it upright because you'll get more berries and it'll be a lot easier to pick them without getting full of thorns. I mean, that's secondary growth. If I stood it up right now, it would be at least five foot tall. Yes, sir. And that's what's going to produce all your berries next year. So you want to protect it. You don't want to do anything to harm it. So I should just grab something and just pull it over towards the main bush then? That's what I would do. Okay. Okay. Well, that, and, and one other question, <clears throat> bee balm. Yeah. Can that, be, can that be cut back or just left? You're going to lose most of the flowers if you cut it back. Uh, it can be cut back, but uh, and it will branch and come out. But uh, now there are two different things called bee balm, and both of them can be cut back. But if you grow in the monarda, the flowering form, you're just going to lose a lot of flowers. Yeah, that's why I have the flowering form, the blue yeah. flowers yeah. on my bee balm. And crepe myrtle. My crepe myrtle is doing great right now. Okay. It's starting to grow. This is about my second year with it. I, you know, just uh, if you want to cut it back and make it branch, just cut it back lightly. If you want to turn it into more of a tree, you can go ahead and thin out that lower growth so that you get just a few main trunks instead of a real bushy growth. But uh, the plant doesn't care. You know, that's up to you. If you want a bush form, uh, tip it back a little bit and force it to branch even more. If you want a tree form, go in and thin out some of that lower growth so that it'll make just three or four or five big trunks instead of a whole bunch of them. But uh, you can grow them either way. Uh, crepe myrtle's beautiful no matter how you grow it. I don't like to see them grow in a single trunk plants because uh, they tend to break up so much worse in the storm. But uh, uh, now's an okay time to do a little pruning on them if you need to. Okay, thank you very much, Bob. It's my pleasure.